0: And, uh, Terry, would you put my name down as being there at Hesed House with you? I never said I would show up. I just said put my name down. So. So, okay. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn to Matthew 15 as we continue our study in Matthew in Matthew 15, you're going to see this continued opposition to Jesus from the Pharisees. So go ahead and just take a minute and read verses five, or verses one through 14 in Matthew uh, 15. Matt, verses one through 14. We live in a, a society that um, is really sort of anti-traditional overall. Um, what's new is always what is good. So how many products do you see that say new and improved versus old and unimproved? You know, I mean, we're not going to usually buy something that says old and unimproved. Um, Except maybe being a New York Giants fan. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Boom! And so so it's not the the tendency of our culture, at, at this time, to preserve anything that came about in the past. There's just a tendency to say it's not a value. But traditions usually are not started to take away from something, but actually to enhance. Um, For example, the law of Moses had many ceremonies that were there to remind the people of their need for God. It wasn't just a tradition. They had these ceremonies to remind the people of what God had done, what he was continuing to do, and to remind the people of their need for God. So the, the law of Moses was never meant to be just a religion of liturgy, but rather one of ceremonies that celebrated all that God was doing and reflected an inward reality of what of the people of na- the nation of Israel was supposed to be. So Judaism was really supposed to be a religion of the heart. And because over time the the law and the traditions became the law, the man-made traditions replaced the life-giving spirit of God. And so they had this man-made religion that took place. Um, but the, And the, the interesting thing about a man-made religion, the most hardened unbeliever could follow it because it was a system. Um, and it was a system that was designed to cover up rather than exposing and cleaning. And so that's many times what traditions can do for us. It's very easy to follow a system and say, well, if I do these four things, then I'm okay. Um, and not look deeper at what's going on in heart. It allowed a person to have the appearance of righteousness without actually being righteous. And so notice, even in these verses, they do not say according to the law of Moses, for the law does not teach the things that the Pharisees were talking about, but it says the traditions of the elders. So these things that they were talking about were traditions of the elders, not from the law of Moses. And the danger was real then, and the danger is real today. So in today's passage, we have some lessons in regards to the dangers of man-made religion. And in the first two verses, you'll see a picture of man-made religion. This is what it looks like. In verses 3 through 9, you'll see Jesus' response to those man-made religion. And in verse 10 and 11, you'll see a warning against it, against man-made religion. And finally, in verses 12 through 14, Jesus will show why it's so important that we listen to sound doctrine. Because of its impact on true faith. And so, just have that broken down in those first 14 verses. So, first one and two. Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Notice, these weren't local scribes and Pharisees. They came specifically from Jerusalem. And their whole purpose at this point is to stop Jesus. He's getting too popular. He's saying things that are going to rock the boat. He's doing all, he just walked on the water. He just fed 5,000. He's out of control. And it's now a threat to the establishment. It's a threat to their traditions. And so they send off these scribes and Pharisees to confront Jesus because they have to discredit him. In order to stop him, they have to discredit him. And the first thing they say to him, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Notice that they do not attack Jesus and the way he's eating or what he's doing. But rather, they're attacking his disciples. And the underlying accusation here is that if you are a teacher... Why do the people you teach not follow the law or follow the traditions of the elders? Now, washing hands seems so sort of a minor thing to us. Um, now, it's probably preferable than d- dirty hands, especially it's preferable to clean your hands before you eat, um, but however, in our society, If somebody doesn't wash their hands, it's not like, oh they're going to go to hell. You know, we don't have that. And usually the only time it really bothers us if somebody else isn't washing their hands is if they're serving us. You know, then, then it becomes a little bit more of a concern. But this is an important consideration for the Jews. Because it's not a matter of personal hygiene. It's a matter of religious tradition tied directly to the ceremonial cleaning. And so that if a person was unclean, and before they could do anything, they had to wash. Um, And then they developed all kinds of guidelines of what it meant to be unclean. So even if a Jew was walking by a Gentile and brushed up against a Gentile, he was now ceremonially unclean, and he had to go wash. And so... All of these traditions are tied there. And so, you know, they accuse the disciples of not following it, and they're not. And now this exchange with the Pharisees and the scribes gives Jesus the opportunity to talk about the relationship between the ceremonial law and true religion and true holiness and keeping the moral law. There is no doubt that the Pharisees, when they began their work, of establishing tradition, did it with the best of motives. When they first started these traditions, when they first started these laws, they did it with the best of of motives. Remember, Israel had been sent into exile. And as he had been sent into exile, the reason they were sent into exile is because they were not following the law. They had bypassed all the laws and said, we're not going to do that And now, they said, if that's why we were sent into exile, the last thing we want to do is go back into exile again. So we are going to make sure that we protect the law. So they built these traditions to build a hedge around the law to make sure that the people obeyed it. Um, Because they just didn't want to really go back there again. Um, So it's important to remember Never did Jesus accuse the Pharisees or the scribes or the Sadducees of caring too much about the Word. He never said, you know what, you guys care too much about the Word. You know, you got a problem there. What they said is you care too much about your man-made religion, about your tradition. And it's always, and it is always by their own man-made traditions they have taken away the authority of God and that's what our man-made traditions do they have the danger of taking away the authority of God in our life and so you see this picture in verses 1 and 2 I find it interesting that um, my brother who Um, just has these certain traditions that he follows. And if I talk to him about the Word of God, he will put these traditions above the Word of God. And unashamedly. And I've come to realize that one of the most difficult aspects of even witnessing to somebody about almost anything is breaking through some of their traditions that they've held onto that prevents them from really believing that Jesus Christ is the authority. Instead, I rely on these traditions. And it could be any kind of tradition, different religions. It can be just the different ways people worship God. Um, when people walk into this facility the first response for many of them: This isn't church. It doesn't have pews. It doesn't have a pulpit. It doesn't have an organ. It doesn't have all the things that remind me of church. So this—that's my tradition, and because that's my tradition, I can't worship unless it fits my tradition. And that happens in all kinds of arenas. Uh, we all probably will, you know, have our own. Things that we hold on to. to. This morning, we're going to do two traditions. One, we did the Advent candle. Now, we could do that just because that's what we always do. And 10 years from now, 15 years from now, people will say, well, why do we do that? We've always done it. It doesn't enhance our relationship with Christ. It's just there. We can do the same thing with communion. You know, some some people will say to me, you know, how often do you serve Communion?" And I'll tell them. And then they'll say, well, how come you only serve it then? I go, well, before I answer that question, what does Communion mean to me? Well, what do you mean, what does Communion mean to me? Well, what is the spiritual significance of Communion for you? There's no spiritual significance, it's just that we, you know, I grew up having Communion every Sunday. And so it's, it's just a tradition. And so we have to recognize how those traditions So Jesus critiques man-made religion that is based on traditions. In verses 3 through 9, he answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So again, we sort of see this, Jesus' estimation of this kind of holiness that they were preaching. And Jesus uses a phrase that exactly parallels the charge that the Pharisees had. The Pharisees said in verse 2, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? So you hear what they're saying? They're elevating the tradition of the elders over the word. So Jesus' response to them in verse 3 is, Why do you yourselves break the commandment of God? You know, you talk me breaking tradition. You're breaking the commandment of God. To so the Pharisees that attacked the disciples, Jesus responded directly to them. Um, and Jesus responds by saying, why do you break the commandment of God? And he contrasts God's commandment in verse 4 with the teaching of the elders. A teaching that these Pharisees have either invented or endorsed in verse 5 called the rule of Corbett. And God's command, God's law said, honor your parents. Honor your parents. That we take care of them in time of need. But the law of Corbin gave them an escape clause. Gave them an out. Um, I don't understand all of it. But basically, it said Corbin allowed a person to dedicate whatever they had to the Lord, but then to continue to personally use it themselves. And that way, but because it was dedicated to the Lord and they could continue to use it, nobody else could. So if you your parents said, I need a car, you had two cars and you had an extra car and you didn't want to give that car to your parents, all you would say, well, this has been dedicated to the Lord. And because it's been dedicated to the Lord, I can't let you use it. But I can still use it all I want. And so that was the escape clause for the law. Um, So Corbin, the law of Corbin, allowed a person to refuse to honor their parents by supporting them in their time of need, yet to continue to have a personal benefit of whatever might have been lost in supporting his parents and still be considered pious. Okay? And so this is what Jesus is confronting. You say, you know, the law says honor your parents, and you have developed this tradition that says, I don't have to. I can keep everything I want, never change my lifestyle, never do anything different, and call myself pious because of the law of Corban. So Jesus isn't real happy. Um, And so what he says, so your tradition, your man-made religion, has just made the law of God null and void. You have put your tradition over God. In other words, your traditions, rather than holding the word of God, has actually undercut the authority of the word of God By adding to God's word, you have taken away from God's word. It is subtraction by addition. They have subtracted from the word of God by adding to it their own man-made rules. Now, folks, we may say that's unbelievable. But we've been doing it since the time of Christ. Christ says this. But we find ways that we can get around the commands of God by coming up with other traditions or other things. Um, So they've undercut the authority of God. They have invalidated the word of God. Um, And then he goes on, you do many things such as that. He says, "This this is just one example. There's a whole host of examples I could give you. How you undercut the authority of God with your traditions. MacArthur, John MacArthur, gives a good warning about tradition. He says, Satan has no greater allies than hypocrites who go under the guise of God's people. And hypocrites have no greater ally than tradition. Because tradition can be followed mechanically and thoughtlessly, without conviction, without sincerity, without purity of heart. Because traditions are made by men. They can be accomplished by men. They require no faith, no trust, no dependence on God. They appeal to the flesh by feeding pride and self-righteousness. That is why ritual, ceremony, and other religious traditions are more likely to take worshipers further away from God than bring them closer. And the further away from God... uh, And the further a person is from God, the more vain his worship becomes. I mean, that is just a powerful statement um, in regards to tradition. And then he goes on and quotes Isaiah in verse 8. These people honor honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. So right off the bat, he says they prefer lip service over heart worship. They, they, they just go through the motions, but there's no real faith. Their, the worship is empty. It's vain. It's a mere form. They're following a man-made religion of to doctrines. And so over and against that, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you what true religion is, and I'm going to tell you what it means to love the Lord. And that's what he does in verses ten and eleven. And he called the people to him and said, Hear and understand. Now, stop right there. Hear and understand. When you when you hear that kind of statement, it's saying, I just don't want you to hear this. You need to understand this. Now, if anybody is married, has been married, had a parent, is a parent, or ever been in a job situation, you know, you probably have heard those words. I know you're hearing me, but you, have no, you don't understand what I'm saying. You know, I mean, communication is the key to your marriage, and that, probably, that statement, in some form or another, has been shared a million times in a million marriages. But when it's said, it says, this is really important. Not only do you need to hear this, But we need to make sure that you understand what is being said. It's not just the words, but what is being said. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. The rabbis even believed that some of them that they taught that there was, if you didn't clean yourself, you were actually allowing Satan to come into you because you were defiled. So that's what was coming into your mouth, and that was what was defiling you. And Jesus is saying, this is all wrong. And he's telling us about the true nature of holiness. And he's warning the crowds about the teaching of the Pharisees. Hear and understand. And Jesus says something that would have completely horrified the Pharisees and the scribes. He's saying, moral, spiritual defilement is far more important than ritual defilement. You can throw away your rituals because that means nothing compared to the moral, spiritual defilement that's going on. Remember, these are the people who love the ceremonial law. And what's more, they love all the traditions that have been passed down by their elders and the rabbis. And Jesus is saying moral, spiritual defilement is... Far worse, um, and so in verse 11, Jesus is aiming at the heart. he's aiming at the heart. It's a holiness, it's a spiritual transformation that comes from the inside out. J. C. Ryle, who was um, an Anglican writer in the 1800s, this is what he wrote: What is the first thing we need order what is the first thing we need in order to be a Christian? A new heart. What is the sacrifice God asked us to bring to him? A broken and contrite heart. What is true circumcision? The circumcision of the heart. What is genuine genuine obedience? To obey from the heart. What is saving faith? To believe from the heart. Where Where ought Christ to dwell? To dwell in our hearts by faith. What is the chief request that wisdom makes to everyone? My son, give me your heart. And that's what, it's not not about ritual. Who has our heart? Does Jesus really have our heart? Or do we just go through the motions? He doesn't want superficial holiness. He wants transformation taking place. Um, So he warns the crowd that it's not the things that enter into them that make them unclean. It's what on the inside that makes them unclean. So then the disciples come to him and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Now of all the thoughtless types of questions that the disciples ever asked Jesus, this has to be right at the top. Jesus, do you know that what you just said offended them? Yeah, like, no kidding. That's exactly why he said it. And it just is amazing that they would even question Jesus. Do you know what you're doing? No, you know, I, I, I really didn't think that one through. <laughs> you know, um, of course. He answered, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted... Will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. And it all starts with what are we allowing to guide us? What is our true filter? Who is Jesus Christ really in our life? And so Jesus is very concerned that his disciples not be affected by the false teachings of the Pharisees. Now, all of these lessons are for us today. Because there was really very little difference what was going on in Jerusalem to what's going on here. There were Romans and there were all kinds of people that were challenging the Christians. They were challenging their faith. They were trying to get them. They were martyring them. And they wanted them to change what they were believing. And so they had to hold on to truth. And for the Jew, they held on to truth by creating new traditions. For the believer, it's holding on to the truth of God's word. Um, And again, some people embrace traditions because it does help them be reminded of their need for God. Others might try to deny that they even have any traditions. But the reality is, is we all have some or follow some traditions. Our responsibility in light of tradition is to make sure we are trying to honor the Lord in them. I can't think of who it was. Preacher from the early 1900s. Charles (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're listening. (laughs) Charles Barkley. Uh, So... Basically, what he was saying was, why do you come to church? Why are you here this morning? Is it tradition? Is it habit? Is it command? If our heart is not as much in the service as our bodies, if we have no desire to worship and fellowship with the Lord and with his people, whatever our reason for being here, do the words of Isaiah define us? Those people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. And that's a question that every person has to ask. Am I really going to church because I want to grow in my relationship with Christ, or am I doing it because this is just what I do? And then if it's just what I do, our tradition will prevent us from experiencing the fullness of Christ. See, so we have the ability to make our traditions glorifying to God and edifying to ourselves, to remind of our, ourselves of the need for God, the dangers that religious traditions we have created will become substitutes for obedience to God's word. So I go to church, but that's all I have to do. I just, that's my tradition, and I don't have to follow the whole counsel of God. Um, Never let our traditions become a replacement to the work of the Holy Spirit, transforming us from the inside out and to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Father, I just praise you and thank you for this day. I just thank you for the opportunity that you give us to come together to worship you, to experience the fullness of your love and your grace. Lord, help us to evaluate every one of our traditions, the things that we do that we may not even realize are traditions. They could just be habits. But help us to evaluate whether those traditions, those habits are drawing us closer to you or away from you. Again, Father, we thank you, we praise you, We ask your continued blessing upon each and every person here that we can go forth to be a blessing to others. It's our prayer in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. Like I said,